Let's review just a little bit uh, our two objectives that we gave you, two goals for 2009, our mission of 2009. Uh, we said, first of all, we need to have a zeal for the loss. We said we need to, uh, you know, begin to renew our minds, uh, uh, really they call it a mindset, change our mindset towards the loss, and we do that uh, by uh, reading the Word of God, by praying. We need to also begin to change our actions uh, because the Holy Spirit will lead us to do things, and we have to change our actions. And it's not going to be all the time convenient. It's not going to be all the time um, uh, what, what, what might be pleasant. Uh, we're going to have to step out of our comfort zone sometime when the Holy Spirit leads us. So uh, we need to change our actions also. Then we said we need to increase our intimacy with God. We said we need to do that by doing several things. Number one, we said we need to have a constant devotional life. I did not say uh, consistent because consistent can be once a week, once a month. Uh, but we said constant. That means all the time. We're going to have a devotional life. And we said in order to help you do a devotional life, we want you to memorize uh, the seven uh, priorities of spiritual life because we said that in using those seven products, we're not memorizing things just to be memorizing them. That's not, that's not uh, uh, what we want to do. We want to memorize things to use them. And so the seven priorities, you're, you're supposed to uh, praise and worship and give thanksgiving and pray before God. You're supposed to do that. You're supposed to uh, memorize and, and, and uh, uh, you know, meditate on the word. And we went over that, how to, how to use the memorization and meditation, how to use confessions last week in order to fight uh, for that which God has already given us. Then we said that we needed to... Um, Memorize one scripture a month. We said we need to do that. And uh, next week, of course, that month is over with. And so we want to make sure that we are on track. And what I need to always do is to have somebody uh, come up and, and give the seven priorities. And, and uh, my object is not to embarrass you or anything like that. I don't like doing that. That's not my style. But I do want to give you the opportunity to use those things. And so if I call on you, you don't know. Just say, I don't know. I haven't done it. You know, whatever. And it's okay. All right? Mallory, come on up here. Huh? I don't have to tell you. I t didn't I tell everybody I was going to call on adults? Didn't I tell you that? She said I didn't tell her. Are, are you somebody? Yeah, she was part of everybody. Oh, come on. You said it. Um, praise, thanksgiving, worship, prayer, reading and studying God's word, um, meditation, memorization, confession, and sharing. Hey, give her a hand, huh? Come on, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And we said we wanted also for you to memorize a scripture. And um, I know that uh, somebody has already started memorizing scripture. Is that correct? Everybody, you started memorizing scripture. Okay, tell them the scripture you already know. Because you already memorized one. I know you memorized one. Say. <laughs> First John 1 John 1.9. Uh, we confess our sins. He is faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Good, good. Give him a hand. That's good. That's good. See, I didn't, I didn't embarrass anybody. See, everybody got it right. So I didn't embarrass anybody. Also, uh, we want to add another one. And you might say, well, man, there's a lot of stuff we had to do. And we're supposed to reach out every, all the time. You know, every week we're supposed to try to disciple somebody and get them committed uh, to Cornerstone uh, in 2009. And we have to uh, memorize a scripture every month. We have to um, know the seven priorities. That's a lot of stuff to do, man. This is not work. So we're supposed to be on the grace. I don't read that in my Bible. I don't read that, that, that once you get saved, you don't do anything. You know? The 
goal I want to give you today, which is part of real intimacy, but it's a little bit, I want to separate it because it's something that I, I really believe in. And this, uh, uh, we need to expand our prayer coverage. Expand our prayer coverage. Now, this is the, every, every goal that I give you is measurable. We have objective goals. They're measurable. You can measure whether somebody memorizes scripture. You can measure whether they know the seven projects. You can measure whether they are reaching out to somebody. You can measure it. And you can measure these about prayer. This is what I want you to do. Here you go. I want you to pray one minute for yourself. Okay? One minute for yourself. I want you to pray one minute for your mate or your future mate. I want you to pray one minute for your children or your future children. I want you to pray one minute for the uh, body of Christ, the success, really the success of the body of Christ here at Cornerstone for our uh, objectives, our goals that we're having for 2009. Because if we're going to achieve them, uh, we need to, of course, have prayer coverage. So we need to pray for that. And number five is we need to pray for uh, our leaders here in the church. We'll pray for your elders and pray for me. We need prayer. Okay? That's five minutes to pray. Okay, let's go over that. We're going to pray for who? Yourself. Pray for your mate or future mate. Pray for your children or your future children. Pray for the church's success and their goals for 2009. And pray for your leaders. Okay? All of that is scripture now. Is that correct? It is scripture. I'm not telling you to do something that's not scripture. It's scripture. Okay, now, how often are we going to do this thing? Okay? Oh, that's good. I know you want to. That's good. But I'm not asking you to do it every day. But see, what God wants you to do is be able to crawl before you can run. So what I want you to do is do it at least three times a week. So that gives you five minutes, three times a week. Now that means that you can, now I know all of you want to do it every day. That's a, a great, a great objective. You can try to do it every day. But I don't want you to be on the bondage and say, man, you know, I fail. I might as well, you know, uh, uh, not even, I might as well give up. No, do it three times a week. That means that if you're shooting for seven days a week, if you fail four, you still succeed. You still succeed. Okay? So you can fail more than you succeed and still succeed. Grace is in God, you know. He has grace for us. Also... I want you to commit to a corporate prayer time. A corporate prayer time. We have corporate prayer times uh, on Thursday evenings at Believers Fellowship right now while we're in this building uh, at 7 o'clock. We have corporate prayer on Sunday mornings in the second classroom as you come in the door on the right. Corporate prayer. and that, I think that goes from 9.30 to 10. I think actually it goes from... Uh, 9 to 10.15 because Ms. Dorsey's praying for the loss. Are you still praying for the loss, Ms. Dorsey? Where is Ms. Dorsey? You still praying for the loss at 9 o'clock? Okay, so she's still praying for the loss now. So 9 o'clock to 10.15. So you come in a time between, you know, 9, 9.30, whatever, and, and pray. Now, how often do I want you to do this? Obviously, I would like for you to do it all the time. But I want you, I want you to crawl before you can walk. I want you to do it at least four times in 2009. Four times. Now, how often is that? Once a quarter. 
Now, you can do it one month and be through with it. Right? You can wait till the last month, December next year, and do it, you know. But I wouldn't advise that, okay, because you'll get in the habit of not doing something, and something always come up, you know. So I would say try to do it once a quarter, okay, come to the corporate prayer. Now, obviously, I would like to see the prayer room filled all the time. But I know that I've also asked you before to come once a month. You remember that? I've asked everybody to come to corporate prayer once a month. Okay. That's when we have Friday nights also. We have more corporate prayer times. But I'm asking for you to come once a quarter. Now, you, ask, you, you answer me now. You, do you really believe that God is putting so much burden on you that you can't carry by asking you to Memorize a scripture a month, once a month now. You got 30 days to memorize one scripture. Jesus will. There's some short scriptures in this thing, you know? Short scriptures in this thing. So, you know, you can use any scripture you want to use. He's not asking you something that's overburdensome to ask you to memorize the seven priorities because you say, well, that was not Jesus' seven priorities, it was yours, you know? Well, they're not really mine. I got them from Mike Keys out of the Philippines. So not really mine, they're his. Uh, but I believe there's God's will for us to praise and give thanksgiving. I believe it's God's will for us to worship and to pray. Is that right? That's God's will. So I believe that all of them is God's will for us, like the seventh one of this share. It's God's will for us to do that. It's God's will for us to confess as you uh, saw last, last uh, week. And our message last week. So everything we're giving is God's will. Now, I don't think it's so too burdensome to ask you to pray for yourself one minute a day. You can choose to do it on your lunch time. You know, if you have a half an hour for lunch, you know, eat 29 minutes, pray for one, you know, for yourself. And you got that over with, then you pray another time for somebody. You can get this thing done. There's always a way to get it done if you have a desire to get it done. And that leads us into the, the fourth goal for 2009. Now, I could give you a lot of scriptures on prayer. I can call the prayer people up and then let them give testimonies of how God's answer prayer and all those type of things. Now, I know that they will want to see you in corporate prayer. Do y'all want to see them in corporate prayer? Yeah, they want to see them. Yeah, they don't want to beat out by themselves and they're praying, you know, because they're praying for you, you know. They would like to have some, you know, uh, uh, some help. Let's, let's, let's look at, at prayer just for a minute there in some of the scriptures. How about Second Chronicles 7.14? How many uh, have already memorized that as a scripture? Anybody? Okay, what, what does it say? It must not be up there. Either, either if you didn't have it memorized, you can't read. <laughs> or it's not up there. You know, I don't know what it is. Huh? Can't see it? It's up there. Oh, my goodness gracious. I like the King James Version. I say, if, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, you know, and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I'll, you know, hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and, and you know, heal their land. I, I, like, I like to memorize scripture, uh, but that's just one. How about Timothy, First Timothy 2, uh, verses 1 and 2, 1, 1, 2, 3, 4. What does God say about prayer? Actually, he says that, first of all, I urge you, you know, that's probably New, New American Standard, or either the Revised Standard. He says, I urge you, um, the King James might say, I exhort you, that first of all, that prayers, read it for me.
Yeah, that's good. I like that. Now see, he says, he says, he says, this is pleasing to him. Pleasing to him. That we'll pray for all men. So obviously if I say, pray for yourself, pray for, you know, uh, your mate or future mate, pray for the leaders, pray for the church. You're praying. This is scripture, okay? Scripture. How about 1 John 5, 14 and 15? What's that? He says that this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Okay? And whatsoever we ask, we know that we have to petition those things we've asked because we know we're praying according to his will. You see, those are just scriptures that tells us that we need to be praying. We need to be praying. Okay? Now, I'm glad that the prayer team, those who, who really uh, God has gifted to uh, to intercede more than normal. All of us are called to intercede because it says so in, in 1 Timothy. All of us are called to, are called, uh, you know, called to intercede, to give petitions. But some people God has gifted a little bit more than others to, they, they, they might do it five, six hours a day, you know. But I guarantee you they're not dependent upon you to come to, to be with them in order for them to do God's will. Okay? Because God all he needs is just one person, just one person. If I can find just one man, I can, I can, I can do something, you see? So prayer's not going to stop because you don't, but I'm trying to get you, um, get you to the point where you get in on the blessings because you get blessed when you pray. You really do. And also it's encouraging to them too. It's always encouraging when you are doing something with somebody. It's encouraging. The fourth goal, cooperate more with God. Okay? I was asking God, I said, God, now, why didn't the children of Israel do what you wanted them to do? Why did they go, we, we went from Genesis to Revelation, and we had people disobedient to your word all the time. Now, I know that, that you know, just we can say disobedient, but why were they disobedient? What was wrong with the people? And it also carried over to the New Testament. Same thing from Genesis to Revelation. What do we need, God? What one thing do we need to make this thing called Christianity really soar? What do we need? And so I was just praying and praying and praying and praying. And I guess this has been two weeks ago. And the word came to me, cooperation. Cooperation. That he said they did not cooperate with me. Let's look in uh, Webster. Webster defines cooperation. You know, uh, you know, they, they, it is to act or operate jointly, jointly with others or one another. Cooperate, cooperate. God wants us to cooperate more. Now we can look at many scriptures. Let's start in Exodus. Exodus chapter 32. Now this is an account where Moses was delayed. He was de- delayed um, from coming down from the mountain where God was giving him, you know, all the directions that he wanted. And the people got, um, they were, I guess, impatient. They didn't want to endure they want to know where their leader was. And they were looking for, I believe, an opportunity anyway to go back to Egypt. And so here, because in Egypt they didn't have to walk by faith. 
Do you know that? In Egypt, you don't have to walk by faith. You just do what you're told. They were slaves. They didn't have to think about it. They didn't have to worry about what they were going to eat, what they were going to, where they didn't have to worry about anything. It was the same thing every day. Get up, make bricks, you know? They had to do something all the time. Sometimes I believe that, <laughs> that, that we don't want to walk by faith. We rather for the enemy to lead and guide us and our flesh to lead and guide us and we just do whatever we've been doing when we were unsaved, you know? It's more convenient. We won't have to fight this flesh all the time. This flesh, it, it, this flesh seems like, I don't know, it seems like it's been trained, you know, in karate and, and a lot of things that, that it, 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 it doesn't want to give up. And so sometimes it's easier to give in to the flesh than to keep fighting the flesh. But God says, don't give in. There's no good thing in the flesh. So here, Aaron uh, tells them to take off their earrings. You know, the men, the women, the children take off your earrings. And, and they made a molten calf and all that stuff. And, and then uh, the Lord, in verse 7, then the Lord spoke to Moses and said, Hey, go down at once for your people whom you brought up from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Whose people were they? Who brought them from Egypt? <laughs> but really, whose people were they? Who brought them from Egypt? God. But well, see, somehow, God and his leaders will say, they're yours, and you did this, even though because you're acting for me. So, verse 8 says, They have quickly turned aside from the way in which I commanded them. They have made for themselves a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, they are an obstinate, that means stiff-necked, people. That's what he said. Now, to me... That tells me that the people were not cooperating. They were not cooperating. What were they supposed to do while Moses was gone? Wait, do the same thing they were doing while he was there. The, the rules and regulations didn't change. You know? Didn't change. Whatever he told them before, it goes now. Don't change in the rules unless I change them, God said. They didn't cooperate. Let's look at another one in Numbers, chapter 14. And this account of where the spies went out, and they were, you know, uh, spying the land, and 10 gave this evil report. And then 2, Joshua and Caleb, they gave this great report. And they said in verse 8 of chapter 14, If the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows of milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not... Fear the people of the land, for they shall be prey. I'll pray, and it says, Their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. But the congregation said, Stone them with stones. That's what they said in verse 10. 
Then the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meeting to all the sons of Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will his people spurn me? How long will they believe, not believe in me, despite all the signs? And he considered the same thing. Now, how long will we not, will not trust him for all the things he's done for our life? In our lives, he's done so many things. So many things we can be thankful of. So many things. Sure, things are not going all our way all the time. But that's okay. We got more things going for us than we're going, we have going against us. As long as you are vertical, you got more things going for you than if you were pushing up daisies. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, a live dog is better than a dead lion. It really is. You got an opportunity. See, I got an opportunity. Every day I wake up, I got an opportunity to repent, serve the Lord. Whatever the situation, I can, you can be the worst person in the world. You got, you got an opportunity as long as you're living. But see, the people did not cooperate. God says, I want you to go over here. I'm going to put you in this promised land. Go over here. I want you to check it out. They check it out and say, oh, this is terrible, man. This is terrible. Man. You know, we're going to get killed. You know? They didn't cooperate with God. Judges, chapter 3, verse 3 and 4. These nations are the five lords of the Philistines and all the Canaanites and the Sidonians and the Havites and the, those who live in Mount Levian Mount, and, and from Mount Baal Hermon and as far as Zebo Hamon. And they were for testing Israel to find out if they would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he had commanded their fathers through Moses. Verse 25 of chapter 21. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Do you know what uh, a lack of cooperation is? A lack of cooperation is everybody doing what they want to do rather than what they're asked to do. They don't want to cooperate. Now, it's not because they want to be rebellious. It's just that we have a habit of being independent in America. We want things our way. And so it doesn't even register to us. That we, it doesn't even register to some of us, I believe, that we are, are not being cooperative when we just refuse to do something. I bet you I can go, I, I, I bet you I can, I can give each one of you a sheet of paper, and I bet you I said, well, okay, I want you to write down the seven priorities. I guarantee you that half the people in this congregation today will fail. Guarantee. Because I've already done it, not to the whole congregation. I've done it to a sample of the congregation. You know, most people fail. Why do they fail? They don't cooperate. They don't take it serious. It's a, you know, hey, this, this is pretty cool to do. I might do it, you know, if I don't have nothing else to do. And the paper jump out in front of me, you know, I might do it. Now tell me, tell me the truth now. Tell me the truth. If I'm wrong, see, I might be wrong. I might be wrong. I might have said, well, hey, you know, all of you might know it. And you're just waiting on me to call on you to, to recite this thing. And you're disappointed because I called on Mallory today because I should have called on you. How many really want to be called on today? 
Raise your hand because I'll come over and call on you. You know. So so so. <laughs> you want me to call on you? You really? Okay. So I see. I see what, I do. what I don't want is somebody to say like 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 they do students do teachers after a while. They say, well, he said he was going to give a test. Every time I turn around, he tells me something. Then he doesn't do it. I'm not going to do it the next time. And then the teacher call on you. See. So I don't want the students to say so. You want to stand up so that people can see who you are? You come on. Wait a minute. I just finished talking about cooperation. I can't believe this, you know. I can't believe this. How many do not know this lady? Raise your hand. See? Lady, I know. Okay. I think this is all. Why learn it differently? I'm, I'm gonna be nice, okay? I'm gonna be nice. Because the word says to enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart, his courts with praise. So I, I memorized it this way: thanksgiving, praise, and then I relate it to the outer court, the inner court, and the most holy of holies. So it's thanksgiving, praise, worship, a lifestyle of prayer. We read the word, we meditate upon the word, and when we read and meditate upon the word, it's easy to memorize it. And then the last two are just confession and sharing. Give her a hand. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. That's good. Praise God. Thank you, Becky, for cooperating. I know you didn't want to. You cooperated. Cooperation is important, isn't it? It's important. Let's look at New Testament examples of cooperation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, because sometimes you think, well, it's the Old Testament, they didn't cooperate because they didn't have the Spirit of God in them, in them. And so in the New Testament, we have the Spirit of God living inside of us. We have a new heart. We have a new covenant. So therefore, we can automatically be obedient to God without any problems. And we know that's not true. Nobody automatically does the will of God. Because we have an enemy, we have a flesh, and we'll have to fight before everything is out. Verse 1 says that, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as men of the flesh. Now, what person would tell a church that? Because we're supposed to be walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. Because if you fulfill the will of the flesh... If you're mindful of the things of the flesh, you'll die. But if you're mindful of the things of the spirit, you'll live. But he says, I can speak for you as spiritual men, but men of the flesh, as to babes in Christ, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not able to receive it. Indeed, even now you're not able to, uh, to, to receive it. For you're still fleshly. And this is, this is bad stuff, isn't it? Now, this is to the church at Corinth. And, of course, Corinth, they, they had the gifts flowing. They, they were pretty cool, you know. But he said they were of the flesh. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshy? Are you not walking like mere men? We're not supposed to be walking like mere men. We're supposed to be walking like spiritual men. And I'm talking about ladies, ladies too. We are different. Mere men, they can do nothing but walk in the flesh. Spiritual men, they can walk in the spirit. They have the anointing. They have the Holy Spirit in them. We're supposed to be walking above the fly line, I call it. For when one says, I'm a Paul, and another says, I'm a Apollos, are you not mere men? 
Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's look there. It is actually reported, verse 1, that there is immorality among you. And immorality of such a kind does not exist even among the Gentiles. That someone has his father's wife. You have become arrogant and have not mourned instead so that the one who had done this deed would be removed from your midst. For I, on your, on my part, though absent in the body and present in the spirit, have already judged him who has so committed this as though I were present. In the name of our Lord Jesus, when you assemble and I with you in the spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus, I have decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now, he says to clean out the old leaven because a little leaven leavened the whole bunch, in other words. These are people in the New Testament church that I don't believe is cooperating with God. Now, of course, they weren't uh, cooperating with their apostle, Paul. They weren't cooperating with him, but they weren't. ultimately, they're not cooperating with God. God wants us to cooperate with him. We need to cooperate more with God. All of us here are cooperating to a certain extent. Is that correct? Because you wouldn't even be here if you weren't cooperating to a certain extent. Because he wants us to assemble together, doesn't he? He wants us to, there's more power, and in, in, in when we're assembling together, is more healing can take place in the church than with everybody in the church going out trying to have a healing ministry of your own. Guarantee you. I'm serious. I'm serious. You can come in this church. I've come in here so many times and not feeling good, sick, you know, uh, and God just overrides it. It's because of you. Because of you, you know. The anointing is in the body of Christ. And of course, all of us have gifts, and all of us should use our gifts outside the body. But I'm telling you, it's more anointing inside of it. I had a person who uh, took a deliverance class, or took a couple of deliverance classes under, and uh, I, had, I wanted him to come here to Cornerstone, and uh, he said, well, I tell you what, I'll come, but when I come, I want to do a series of, of meetings, and I'm not going to pray for anybody outside the church service. Because most of the time, if a person has a deliverance ministry, you know they have a deliverance ministry. What you want to do is have him deliver people, you know. And people want to be delivered in secret and not in public, you know. So he said, I don't do that. He said, because there's, no, there's going to be more deliverances taking place in that body than it's going to be if I do it, try to do it outside the body. He knew where the anointing was. He's a, he's a, he's a pretty, pretty powerful man of God. 2 Corinthians 12, 19 through 21. All this time, you have been thinking that we are defending ourselves to you. Actually, it is in the sight of God that we have been speaking in Christ. And all of you, all of your upbuilding, beloved. For I am afraid that perhaps when I come, I might find you not to be what I wish and may be found by you to be what you don't wish. That perhaps there may be strife, jealousy, 
angry tempers, disputes, slanders, gossip, arrogance, disturbances. I am afraid that when I come again, my God may humiliate me before you, and I may mourn over many of those who have sinned in the past and not repented of the impurity, immorality, and sensuality which they have practiced. This is a church of the living God with the Holy Spirit. They are gifted folks, more gifted than any other church, basically. They, they were gifted, but they were not cooperating with God. God wants us to cooperate with him. Do you know that cooperation, cooperation develops unity? It really does. It develops unity. And when you pray for unity, you're really praying for that people will cooperate. That's all you're doing. Everyone is called to cooperate with God. Me, you, every single person. Let's look at First Peter 5. In First Peter 5, verse 1, it says that, Therefore I exhort the elders among you, as your fellow elder, the witness of the suffering of Christ, and partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd, meaning feed, meaning to, you know, provide the care for the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, meaning to look out for them, observe them, and it also means to examine the state of affairs of their lives. Now, I know that that, that seems to be kind of intrusive, but God wants the elders that he has called, and we have the answer for it, and we don't do it, to know the state of your affairs. If we don't know the state of your affairs, the state of your soul, what's going on in your life, then we are less than really true shepherds. You know? And that's not good. So God says that he wants us to know the state of affairs. So when I get with people, a lot of time I ask hard questions. And people sometimes wonder, say, my goodness gracious, this, he asks real personal questions. Why do you think I ask personal questions? Because the word of God tells me that that's what part of oversight is. That's the, that's the Greek definition of oversight. It's a notice state of your affairs. So I need to call. How would you mind, how would you like it, if you're trying to have the Holy Spirit, one of the songs that we didn't sing, Come Holy Spirit, you want the Holy Spirit to come, and you got... You got strife in the, in the building. You got, you know, uh, you got unforgiveness in it. You got immorality in it. You got uh, uh, adultery in it. You got all this fornication going on. How would you like to have that? And, and, and we did not know about it because we didn't care. How would you like to be in a church like that? But I tell you, it will happen in a church like, like this or any other church if you don't get with people and disciple and work with them, develop a relationship where they know that you love them, they know that you care for them, and they know that if you're asking hard questions, it's for their benefit. That's very important. That's what he tells us. That's what we're going to have to answer for. It says that don't do it uh, under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God. Don't do it for, you know, like greedy gain or, or you know, filter, uh, or covetousness. Don't do it for that. But eagerly do that. Do not lord over 
those allotted to your charge, but proven to be examples to the flock. So he's telling us not to lord over people. There are instructions for the elders, the leaders, the pastors of churches to cooperate with God. And if we don't do it, then we're doing you a disservice. He says, then when the chief shepherd, the chief shepherd, see, we're just under shepherds. The chief shepherd, when he appears, he you receive the unfading crown of glory as if you've done what you're supposed to do. If we haven't, then woe is to us. Then he tells the younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. Matter of fact, he says, all of you be clothed with humility. And see, he tells us to be humble, but he says that, uh, down here in verse 8, be sober of sober spirit, be on your alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. This is in the context of everybody really doing what they're supposed to do, cooperating with God. It takes submission to be cooperative, you know that? How many, how many of you just, I mean, you're thrilled you, when you get home, you do somersault because I gave you all these things that we're going to do in 2009. How many of you like that? Okay, we got one. We'll pray for you. Okay. <laughs> I know you can't even do a somersault, girl. <laughs> I know you. <laughs> you know, really, I'm serious. I don't, I have, that hits me. I said, my goodness, great. I'm going to have to do this thing, too. You know, some things I'm doing, some things I have a habit of doing, but some things come harder to me. So, you know, I'd rather not have to memorize a scripture every, every month uh, because I've memorized a lot of scripture. But don't you know it's, it's good for my soul to have to do exactly what I ask you to do? Yeah, it is. Ephesians, it tells the wives, what are the wives to do? Be subject to your own husband in the Lord. Husband, what did it tell the husband? Verse 25 of Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wife even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. What does he tell the children? Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well for you and you may live a long life on earth. Fathers, I tell your fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. Or bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, King James Version. Hebrews thirteen seventeen. This is a good one. Very few people like. Listen to this one now. This is a cool one here. It says in Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Doesn't that sound so good? Now, obey means to let yourself be persuaded. That's what it means. Let yourself be persuaded. It didn't say that you want to do it, that you're joyful about doing it. It said let yourself be persuaded. That's what he's saying to do. That's what obedience means. Submission in this context means to cease to fight, give up. Stop digging your heels, you know, on a carpet. You know, just give up and give in. Just do what you're asked to do. Just cooperate. That's what it means. Then he says, 
For they keep watch over your souls as though who will give an account. Let them do it with joy and not with grief, for this will be unprofitable for you. Now, if I know something is unprofitable for you, but I allow you to do it anyway, don't say anything about it. Of course, I can't make you do anything because I can't lord over you. Do you think I'll be a pretty good pastor? No. You need to tell somebody, you need to encourage somebody and say, I know it's not going to be profitable for you because the word of God says so. If, if we have to try to lead you with grief, you know, you don't want us getting around in, in the elder and say, my goodness gracious, man. Man, he's a stiff-necked, rebellious people. I don't know what in the world we're going to do. Let's pray, ask God to just give us another body. Give, give, give us somebody. Make some rocks, you know, human beings. Do something, you know. You don't want to say stuff like that, do you? You'd rather for us to say what Paul said. We're going to travail, you know, until Christ be formed in you. You know, uh, uh, travail again. Because that's what God wants us to do. Pray. There's never been a group of people that anybody led. And anybody have children know that. Anybody, if you lead anybody, they don't want to be led, even though they say they want to be led. They don't want to be led. They say they want you to, oh, you're you great dad, you're great mom, but they won't obey you all the time. Now, what would happen if every child was cooperative? This would be a wonderful, wonderful time, wouldn't it? If every child would be able Well, i tell you how you can start, adults. Be cooperative yourself. Because the seeds that you sow, they shall come up. Won't they? They shall come up. Because whatsoever you sow, that's you're going to reap. Now, what I want to end with, we have two prophetic words. Uh, I think it was given about the last Sunday of November. And one of those words was from Minerva, my wife. And she said that, uh, that God was showing her through Abraham. And she said, I think the Lord is showing me how through one man God has chosen Abraham to bless the nation of Israel. And the whole nation of people were blessed. And he said in his word, and he was telling Israel, it's not because of you that you are blessed, but because of the covenant which I made with Abraham, that the whole nation was blessed from generation to generation to generation for those who were able to receive it. In the same way, he is saying to us today that a better one has come. And through Jesus Christ, the whole nation, meaning the children of God, whether it be Jews or Gentile, are blessed if we can receive it. It's no different. One man paid the price and brought the covenant to a generation of people, and he's saying that now we can walk in it. God is not holding back anything, just like he never held back anything from Israel because of Abraham. He held back not one thing from Israel. The nation was blessed. All they had to do was to walk in it. God just poured out his blessings upon Israel and said, walk it in it through Abraham. God has done the same thing for us. He's saying, now I poured out my, my blessings through Jesus Christ. A gushing has come forth uh, to the earth, to God's people, and he's saying, now walk in it. Now you've got a choice of walking in the blessings and receiving from him by faith. It's by faith that we please God. God's done all he's going to do. It's up to us to receive it and walk in it. Now, if we believe that, we need to cooperate then, don't we? Another word was given by Laura Fox, and uh, uh, she gave him a piece of paper afterwards that she gives out at work uh, by Chuck Swindoll on Attitude. 
It says that the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than other people uh, think or say and do. It is more important than appearances, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is that we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inedible. The only thing we can do is to play on the one string that we have, and that is our attitude. I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. And the, and the word basically was that we need to uh, have a good attitude about things. And I think that was when I was sending information to the, uh, some of the people uh, that I sent information to and asking them to uh, memorize some things, so asking them to fill in the things out, asking some real personal questions. How many people have you reached out to? Name them for me. I was asking some real pointed questions. And, you know, people get bent out of shape sometimes. And I said, I know you're going to get bent out of shape. It's okay, but would you please do it and help me uh, to do what God's called me to do? And so it's the same today. Um, God is asking us for 2009 to move beyond where we are. We'll have about five things that we're going to be doing. One of those things that we talked about we're going to be doing is we're going to have a zeal for the laws more than we have now. Another thing we said we're going to do is have more intimacy with God. We're going to increase that intimacy. Uh, we're going to memorize scripture. We're going to memorize the seven uh, priorities. We're going to really reach out to people, and we're going to pray. Yes, indeed. And we're going to have, we're going to have a better attitude of cooperation, aren't we? We're going to have a better attitude, okay? Let's bow our heads. I'm out of prayer team. Come on. Father, we thank you for the season that we're in now, Lord. <laughs> it's a season, Lord, of giving. It's a season of remembrance of the birth of our Lord and our Savior. Father, we're asking you to forgive us of our non-cooperation in some areas. We're cooperative in some areas, Lord, those areas that suit us, that we want to be cooperative in. But those areas that we don't want to be cooperative in, we just don't do it, Lord, because we are used to doing what we want to do. We ask you to forgive us, Lord. Forgive us. You said if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. God, forgive us. Forgive us. Cleanse us, Lord. I know I can be more cooperative. It starts at home. And then it goes out to the church and workplaces. We need to be known as a people of cooperation with those who are in authority over us, those who have been given by God to help us. We need to be cooperative. God, help us not to stiffen our neck. Help us, Lord, not to roll our eyes. Help us, Lord, to make time to cooperate with you. Let's stand.
there is anyone here today that you can say, you know, I have not been as cooperative as I should have been. He has told us now for three weeks to learn this thing. I hadn't intended to learn it. But for this day on, I'm going to do it, Lord, forgive me. Not just that, Lord, it's just cooperation with a lot of different things. I don't cooperate sometimes with my mates, sometimes I don't cooperate at work, sometimes I just, I just have a habit of being independent, doing what I want to do, only those things that I think I have to do to maintain my job, maintain uh, an appearance of, of holiness and righteousness, but really not in my heart. That's you, then the message is for you. And the you is plural because it's all of us. If there's anyone here not giving your life to Jesus Christ, do not go through another Christmas season without doing that. Today is a day of salvation. We need to recognize that he was birthed for our sins. He died for our sins. He was resurrected for our sins. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. If we have fallen away, we need to say, God, I'm coming back. This day, I rededicate my life to you. We want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. If there's anybody that fit into those three categories, then please come. Next week, I'm going to share a message with you that I believe that is suitable for the Christmas season because, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a time where we need to know why, why am I not cooperative like I should be? Now, you know, as I said, like I should be, because we all cooperate in certain ways. Why don't I cooperate? We're going to share that message with you. Don't be bashful, because... God knows. Anyway, and we are, we are family. We are body of Christ. And we know that all of us fall short. <laughs> we fall short. We're going to go ahead and say the blessing and dismiss service today. Uh, those of you that are guests, please make sure on your way out you stop and give, say hi to Pastor Taylor and his wife Minerva. They would love to get to know you and hug on you a little bit and just send you on your way. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine down upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.